Queer Eye is back for a fourth season, so we figured it'd be interesting to review our first impressions of the series back when it premiered last year. I'm Glenn Weldon. In this encore episode of Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR, host Linda Holmes and I are joined by our pals from the Nancy Podcast to talk about the show's broader mission statement, the new Fab Five, and how thoroughly the world has changed since the first iteration of the show went off the air. We'll hear that discussion after a short break, so don't go away. Support for NPR and the following message come from The Real Real, the leading reseller of authenticated luxury items. Shop luxury clothing, accessories, and fine art at unreal prices. From your favorite designers like Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Cartier, and hundreds more. And The Real Real authenticates each item to ensure it's guaranteed authentic. Shop in-store, on the app, or at therealreal.com and receive 20% off select items with promo code REAL. Support for this podcast and the following message come from The Jump, a new MailChimp original podcast. Listen as host Shirley Manson sits down with some of the most influential musicians of the last two decades, including Big Boy, Perfume Genius, and Courtney Love, to discuss the song that represents their artistic moments of truth and the impact that song had on both their careers and their lives. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You just met Glenn Weldon of NPR's Arts Desk, and in our third and fourth chairs are the hosts of the WNYC Studios podcast. Nancy in New York is Tobin Lowe. Hi, Tobin. Hello. And all the way from L.A. is Kathy Tu, up very early. Hi, Kathy. Hello, hello. We wanted to talk about Queer Eye in part because for a lot of people, Queer Eye is uh, something that they remember as kind of an early aughts phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Now it's trying to kind of reinvent itself. Glenn, you reviewed it for NPR. Tell me what you think of the new one. I like it. I think what's missing from the conversation I've been hearing about the show is how controversial the original run was um, in the gay community, not so much in the straight community. The straight community ate it up with a big old spoon. It's true. Because I remember we, uh, Faust and I, would go to our friend, a straight friend's house and make dinner and watch episodes. We liked it. And then uh, we were at a party with, uh, we met another gay couple and we got to chatting and they launched into it. They said it's just uh, perpetuating negative stereotypes. They used the M word ill-advisedly. They said it was gay minstrelry. They all used another bad M word. They said middle America just looks at this and thinks we're just less uh, nuanced and just stereotypes. And uh, then we asked them what they did for a living because we were trying to change the subject. And that's when we found out that they were professional figure skating judges. <laughs> so, no. What? Yeah. What? So pick a lane is my mm. point. Pick a lane. Um, wow. I wrote a piece uh, last year about how this show shouldn't come back when it was announced. And and what I was afraid of was that it would just pretend like the intervening 10 years hadn't occurred and would just go on zhuzhing the nation's sleeves, just Mm -hmm. jumping both feet, just go on Mm -hmm. as if everything was the same. To the reasonable extent you can expect a makeover show to uh, address some of the cultural changes, it pays some lip service to that. We can talk about, I think some of the episodes are more successful in that. I think there's a big range in how well they do that, but it does seem Mm -hmm. willing to engage if you allow the fact that this is a show about tidy uplift. This is a heavily (laughs) packaged product that's going to end in tears. There is a difference here, though. Before, I think the original series was really leaning into a kind of tart-tongued acidity, especially in the in the case of Carson Kressley. Very funny, a little sharp. This show is not sharp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this show is trading on something different. It's a wet-eyed sincerity. This show is very, very earnest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I kind of miss 
the old series. I kind of miss the incisiveness of it. But this show is about making over schlubby dudes. So, I mean, you know, because Lord knows the straight white male uh, needs all the help they can get, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing about the show before I stop talking. Uh, it's called Queer Eye, just like the old show did not do. It's not really leaning into the queer. It's, it's only picking one letter and, and running with that. We can talk about how it's slight broadening of its of its mission statement mm-hmm. to go from being called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy to Queer Eye. There's evidence that it's it's addressing some larger issues and, and willing to change in that degree. But, uh, you know, I, I like it to the extent of knowing exactly what it is. Yeah. Kathy, were you a viewer of the first one? I was, and I loved it when I came out. I think I loved everybody. This is going to be controversial, you guys. I loved all of the, the cast of the original Queer Eye. Except for Ted Allen. Oh, because I know, I know. Who brought us chopped. uh, I know. I'm just not into (laughs) cooking shows or just learning about making food. Maybe I viewed it as as like a straight person because, you know, at the time I wasn't out. I looked to the show for actual advice mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> for like for like actual clothing and grooming and yes i mean i do that now still with the new show yeah. i still do that but back then they had like they would do a little freeze frame and be like hot tip do mm-hmm. this thing and i'm like yeah mm-hmm. that's what i needed in my life so that's what i watched the show for hmm. tobin did you have a relationship with the first one i had a very complicated relationship with the first <laughs> Here we one go. um uh, My father loved it. And I've talked a little bit about this on our show. My father really loved the original Queer Eye. And in fact, it was sort of a bridge between us when I came out because he felt like it was this positive idea of what an adult gay male could be. So it helped him, I think, hugely when I came out to sort of see what life I could have. For me, it's interesting to jump off what Glenn was saying. And Glenn, I think we talked about this when we talked about Will and Grace. Mm -hmm. You know, how you feel about Jack says more about you than it does about Jack. Right. So I feel like I didn't have a problem with sort of the effeminate qualities of the guys, their flamboyance. That sort of wasn't the thing that irked me about the original run. I think if we look at the show as sort of these uh, time capsules of where specifically gay males stand in the country, there was something a little bit insulting about the original run that it sort of made the argument that like gay men can come into your lives and <laughs> zhuzh you up yeah. and make over your hair and do your apartment and then they can just leave and you don't have Get to engage in their stories <laughs> and, and they you don't, don't have to engage yeah. in their sexuality. I was going to say, they don't kiss in front of you or anything like that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, this reboot I find hugely charming and a big improvement because uh, I, I was reading this piece by Matthew Rodriguez who writes for Into, which is Grindr's digital magazine and He was writing about how it's just so nice to see male gay friendship affection on a show. Yeah. There's stuff about this series that feels much more charming, much more light and willing to engage like in these guys and their stories, which I which I like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. What I noticed when I was watching the new one is that I think it's less about gay men know something about styling and and dressing and doing your hair that other people don't and therefore they can teach you and help you in those things it's more some of these guys talk about specific experiences that they have had that are adjacent Mm. to but not exclusively about being gay and those experiences emotionally are helpful I've always felt like even the first one, but especially this one, is really using food and and how you dress and how you do your hair 
as a kind of a way like so one of my male friends used to say that men invented both video games and shooting baskets so that they could talk about their feelings <laughs> and <laughs> I, I feel like in a way oh, so I feel like in a way this show is using those things as a a kind of a language of emotions that lets them kind of approach emotional issues with men who aren't necessarily comfortable doing that not mm-hmm. men all aren't but with men who aren't right. to approach it in a kind of like an, a roundabout sort of fun sideways way where you start talking to a guy about we're going to reorganize your closet and then it becomes well my closet's really crowded because I have a bunch of my dad's stuff in there and my dad died and so then you talk to the guy about the fact that his dad died and what's his relationship with that and I think they use it as a way to approach like be a person who is more attentive to your family. Take your romantic life with your partner seriously. Think about yourself and take time for yourself. Care about the way you present, which are all like really emotional things. And I think they went out and cast guys who, you know, one of them talks about how he grew up as a church kid, as a Christian kid. Um, One of them is uh, British-born Pakistani Muslim, uh, lives in Utah with his husband, and has a bunch of, you know, perspective that comes from that. Uh, Karamo, who you might know from real world, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> talks very specifically about, you know, his nervousness about police officers in one episode. And so I do feel like there's an emotional currency to it. It's a little more heartfelt. I like it yeah. a lot. It's also doing a course correction because, God love him, but the person who is tasked with the culture, Bailiwick. Oh, uh, my God. That, uh, is yeah. the, that is the and Peggy of the show. <laughs> really? <Yes>. Always. <laughs> and culture. And culture. <laughs> so what they're doing is they're giving him, like, uh, something to do to get into it with interpersonal mm-hmm. stuff. So mm-hmm. it's not just buying tickets right. to a show, although mm-hmm. he still right. buys tickets to a show. There's also something about <laughs> being touched and eye contact and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, giving, widening the space. I also think it's hugely important that they have diversified the Fab Five themselves, which allows for different conversations to happen. Yes. Uh, on the episode with the uh, the gay dude, uh, mm-hmm. who happens to be black, there's two out Theoretically, he comes out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're two out gay black men having a conversation on my television screen that doesn't happen a lot. Yeah. A lot of people were, were talking about when Trump was elected, how is this going to affect our art? Are we going to revert mm-hmm. to a Kathy mm-hmm. Acker, you know, mm-hmm. really uh, vibrant, politicized art community? Well, I think it's going to take a while for that to play out in the art community, but you should look to entertainment. And what this show is doing is kind of, I think, a leading edge, which means it's, it's relocated to Atlanta from New York City. Mm -hmm. And they really cut the travel budget because they only go basically (laughs) to the suburbs of Atlanta (laughs) or the exurbs of Atlanta. I'm sure it's cheaper to make. And it's much cheaper to make. And and it is positing this very tidy, if we only just talk to each other thing, which works in some cases, doesn't work in others. I think the cop episode is the most troubling for me because it starts with this very, I don't want to give it away, but it starts with this very glib stunt that just left a really bad taste in my mouth. I never recovered from it. And it posits the cop saying that the Black Lives Matter movement should be listened to as like this stunning revelation, which, you know, whether or not you would agree with that, that's just not that coming as it did after Mm -hmm. uh, that. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that's so great about the gay episode 
is A, represent uh, gay schlubs are out there. <laughs> I, I felt very seen. But also, like... Well, he's not a schlub, though. Yeah, well... He's, like, ripped. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's still... Uh, schlubby is a, is <laughs> yeah. a fashion thing, Okay. It was, a, it was a very, like, she's all that moment. Totally. It really kind of saw that. His glasses. It. it really was. <laughs> it really was. Uh, he, yeah, he removed his glasses and put on a leather harness. <laughs> and that's something I want to... I think that is a good emblem of how much this show is speaking to the current culture as opposed to... Because if anybody in the old show had discovered... Again, this is reality television. Nobody discovers anything. All the producers know everything that's going to happen. But if on the old show uh, there was a leather harness, that would have been either the Leatherman... You know, like it would be the whole episode... Or they would have just kind of shoved it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Now we're dealing with that as a very matter of fact, yeah. fun, playful. It's part of his. Part of him. Yeah, yeah. So that is another way that, that things have evolved. If we're going to go back, if we're going to talk about the cop episode, yeah. which also, Glenn, I felt hugely uncomfortable with it. And this isn't giving anything away, but I think that I don't doubt the legitimacy of this connection that Karamo has with, I think his name is Corey, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the cop mm-hmm. in the episode. And I think the show is better when it makes a case for these smaller relationships that are truly between this one person and this other person. Mm -hmm. When they try and sort of zoom out and make bigger points about this is what the country should be doing or this is what people in general should be doing, then the show doesn't have enough heft to sort of support that argument. The way that this one car conversation is cut between Karamo and Corey, it feels like it's trying to make this point of, you know, this is what we as Americans need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's an unease for a lot of people in this argument for civil discourse because it assumes that everyone's on a level playing field Mm -hmm. and that we just need to hear each other more, which is not always the case. And I feel like the times where the show tries to do that are way less successful and I ended up feeling a little queasy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you say that when they zoom out more, it's less successful because I agree with that and I also think because the point of the show is not the hair and the decor and all that stuff the point of the show (laughs) I think like I said is that they're trying to talk about emotional literacy with people (laughs) in a way that's not just let us make you more emotionally literate Mm. if you process whatever's going on that is a flawed thesis but yes (laughs) 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 I think it's interesting because I think the first show very much made the case that gay men are good at hair and clothes and decoration. And I think what they were going for, which is maybe the positive version of what you're saying, Linda, is that they're trying to make more the case that gayness is an opportunity for these men to have done more of the emotional labor to know themselves and be comfortable. That's which exactly I, what I'm saying. Right, which is, I think, what they're trying to get at with these like testimonials where Bobby shares mm-hmm. his, his past, you know, growing up religious, or Karamo talks about being black and gay. It, it's sort of like... Look at how how much they have given thought to who they are as people yeah. and how can they translate that to the people that they're trying to help. Yeah. I want to talk. I do want to talk about these actual five. Right. <laughs> so then you guys, we talked a little bit about Karamo, uh-huh. who, uh-huh. who's from real world. Uh-huh. Um, it's not his only quality. Right. But he's the culture guy. This is kind of a career rehab for him because he was not yes. uh, he was not a standout guy on that show. And Tam <laughs> France is the one that I mentioned, too, is uh, Pakistani, lives in Utah uh-huh. with his husband. Uh-huh. He's a very, like, chill dude. And I do I do like his fashion He's He's so put together. He's very elegant. I like him very much. My partner said that his personality is brunch, which I (laughs) mean in the best possible way. 
<laughs> and I think that's exactly right. That is so true. Uh, and then you have uh, Anthony, who's the food guy. Mm-hmm. There's a conversation with him where he kind of talks about going through when he was first coming out, like what kind of a gay dude he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. That he was. He talked about like I went to Mykonos and I did. I wore like smaller bathing suits, and then I was like, <laughs> "This isn't me." Yep. <laughs> and I, I liked that element. Ken. Yeah, uh, gay Twitter loves him. Yeah. yeah oh, really? Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. God. There's <laughs> said, there's so many Anthony stands. Yes, mm-hmm. there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have Bobby who does the home decor, the mm-hmm. unsung hero of the yep. show. Yes, can we talk about this for one? <laughs> yes, I've, of course. I'm, I will be so upset if we don't talk about the division of labor on this show is I insane. No, mm-hmm. oh my god! Because the original Queer Eye was sort of pre-extreme home makeover, so and very mm-hmm. low budget. So like redecorating was literally like we moved your ottoman and painted a wall, and right. that was it. Exactly. And exactly. so now Bobby like has to fit in his storyline of transformation into this insane timeline where like yeah. Anthony is showing him how to chop an avocado, and Anthony's like, "I built you a new house." <laughs> Or sorry, Bobby is. And it's like... That is so true. I can't get over how crazy it is what Bobby has to do. You make a great point about Bobby because I didn't even think about that. But it's really true that like it's one thing to be the guy who's like, here's some theater tickets. Another thing to be like, I painted your house. Oh, boy, that's fair. And And then it went from like Manhattan apartments to like giant suburban homes. (laughs) Yes. No, it's true. Uh, And then you have your Jonathan Van Ness. Uh, of Jonathan. Game of Thrones, which we have talked I about. I love on Jonathan this show. so much. He's so earnest about it, and he like roots for mm-hmm, them harder mm-hmm. than anybody. Mm-hmm. It helps that he's funny. It helps mm-hmm. that he's naturally funny. That mm-hmm. that cuts the sweetness in a really important way. And he's so good on Game of Thrones. And he's just doing here what he does there. He's my favorite. He speaks exclusively in catchphrases, and I love it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that is so true. Uh, well, I definitely want to hear what those of you who are listening think about Queer Eye, what you thought about the original one, what you think about this one. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet at us at PCHH. And that brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Tobin at Tobin Lowe and Kathy2 at underscore Kathy2. Thanks to both of you guys for being here. Thanks for having us. Justice for Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> New episodes of Nancy will return this spring. And of course, thank you for listening. We'll be back here on Friday. And if you have a second and you're so inclined, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks to find the show. We will see you all on Friday. Bitcoin needs a huge amount of electricity to power its computers. And that has created some very unique money-making opportunities in different parts of the world. It is also causing some governments concern. Listen and subscribe to The Indicator from NPR.